What up, Ant? How you doing? Doing good, man. I'm just watching this uh, Johnny Depp trial. Johnny Depp's on trial? It's, uh, it's like this um, defamation lawsuit he has like with his ex. Like he's suing her for like 50 mil because like she came out and said like he abused her. And after that, like all these franchises just dropped him. So like so like he's suing her for like 50. She's counter suing for like 100 mil. Um, and they're actually in court, like, like 15 miles away from here. So we actually like drove by the courthouse the other day <laughs> and took mad pictures. Jesus. Uh, Wait, this is in Michigan? No, this or is you, in Virginia. Where are you? Virginia. Oh, okay. I didn't know. You, I didn't even know you lived in Virginia. Yeah, Not man. Not to expose your whereabouts, but. DMV, die. DMV. Gee, you have to come, come out here for like one solid week and just watch WCAC basketball. It's like a it's like a whole different sport, bro. Whole yeah, I need to sport. get out of the MHSAA badly. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna try and do some some sort of AAU type trips. I don't know when, but Car and I have been talking about that. So we can make our way down there. Yeah man, do it up, dog. Do it up. You can see if Cart grew up down here, he'd be going to like <laughs> No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I tell him all the time. I'm like, look, if you grew up in the WCAC, bro, like, he would have went to like George Mason or like Norfolk State, <laughs> or like, or like, uh, or like a, or like a Radford for sure, hundred percent. Don't gas him up like that. He's still the the private school country day boy at heart. That's who he is. It's okay though. Nothing wrong with that. There's some hoopers out of that school, but Carter Elliott is not one of them. Uh, what's up, y'all? What's up, everybody? Thank you for jumping in this room. Uh, I asked Ant to pop in and do a little Michigan room with me because Carter and I last week did a Michigan State rumor mill room. This was before the Julius Marble stuff came out yesterday. Uh, but we'd been hearing some rumblings that uh, Izzo was not going to recruit a center at all. That may change in the near future. We'll get to that today. But in light of that room, I got some requests asking to do a Michigan version of this room. And then the Terrence Shannon stuff popped up all over the weekend. So I hit up Ant, figured it would be a good time to just knock out an hour of a bunch of shit on both Michigan and Michigan State. So that's the plan. Uh, if you have any questions at any point, feel free, hit them in the comments. We can either ask them just verbally and or request to speak and I can get some people in and out here to ask questions. Uh, but I actually, I want to start with something before we get into all the rumors. I want to talk about Jordan Pool Dog because he went crazy last night. And it's been fun for me as like a lifelong Jordan Pool stan. Like I bought a Jordan Pool Michigan jersey the moment he committed to Michigan because I loved him at La Lu that much. Uh, like I, I, it's been fun for me to see people backtrack because he got a lot of shit when he declared for the draft and he got lucky that he ended up in golden state, but I don't think much of what we're seeing is luck. Like that kid has worked his ass off and he's just so damn good now. What do you make of Jordan Poole right now? I mean, the dude is playing like free flawless He's just hooping and having fun, and that's dangerous if you have talent, right? If you're confident, uh, if if you're confident and you're really good, like it's really hard to stop you. And you know, like he's 
he's just in one of those zones right now where he's out there having fun. He reminds me of, um, look, I'm not calling him Kevin Durant. I'm not calling him Kevin Durant. But he falls into that small group of guys who who would play basketball for free, right? Because they just love basketball so much. Like, like that they would play for for like 30 grand a year, but they love the game so much that like they love the game more than what comes with it. And I, I think that's rare. You know what I mean? And I think that's why he has found some success. He's found some peace. Going to going to Golden, Golden State helped a lot. But I think your destination helps probably 90% of players. I mean, like like I've said this before, like if Ka- Oh brother. If Kawhi did not end up in San Antonio, how many other franchises would allow him two to three years to work on his jump shot? Like it's like we don't talk about that. Who who Kawhi is from 2013 and on was not Kawhi early on. Like the franchise you go to matters so much, so, so much. And I think that, I think that has helped Jordan um, a, a lot. Them being patient with him, them sending him back and forth. Um, they did kind of play some mind games with him, but, but, you know, he was able to find calm and find peace uh, and, you know, he's just enjoying basketball right now. He's in the playoffs doing some real wild stuff, and he's just loving all of it. It's it's just so nice to see. Yeah, it's fun. Like, I, I like your point about how much he loves the game because there are some very talented basketball players who are very good at what they do. They're very productive on the court, but, like, you never get that sense of joy out of the way they play. Like, Jordan Poole's game just screams joy. Like the shit that he tries is audacious as hell. And it's always been that way. That's part of why he was frustrating at Michigan was because like he would show these flashes of a crazy step back three or a no look pass or a dunk off the bounce on some dude's head. And like it it always left fans feeling like, why isn't that there every single play? And I think there were a lot of reasons why that necessarily didn't turn out into what it is in the NBA in college. Like, one, he he's a totally different player. Like, the way he's developed, how much he's worked on his game. Uh, not that he wasn't working on his game in college, but, like, he's made massive improvements to the player he was in college. But also, like, there were some roster things. Like, the, the rumors at the time were that Poole felt like he was being asked to stand in the corner. And there was a little bit of quote unquote conflict between him and Xavier Simpson. And uh, look, I, I don't think that I would make anything crazy out of that. I think Poole got a chance to show everything that he is now at Michigan. Like it's not like Michigan held him back in any way, but it is hard to be like an on ball playmaker at the two and play next to a total non shooter and show some of what Poole's done in the NBA. So I, I do. I do feel like that's something that was missed out when you look back on what he did in college. But like, like you said, the fact that he was drafted by Golden State, I was like, like the moment on draft night, I'm like, holy shit, he's going to be surrounded by shooting for the first time in his career. Like, I'm excited to see what that looks like. And now you see what it looks like. The fact that they have him running point every possession is crazy to me. I didn't see that coming. Man, look, so like they, so 
at Michigan, like he he did do those things in November and December. Uh, but then, you know, JB was caught between, okay, I can't not play Xavier Simpson. I also can't put him off off the ball. So the result was that was I'm going to play him both, but I'm going to have to put Poole in the corner. And, you know, he'll, he'll get his chances at times, but Jordan is someone who needs to touch the basketball, whether he is scoring it or shooting it or not. Some guys just need to feel the dimples on the ball. You know what I mean? And um, he's one of those players. So you can't just stick him in the corner, give him like one touch on a ball every two minutes or so. That just does not work with him. Um, I talked to Poole's dad. I remember it was like that May after he had declared and his pops was saying the same thing I was saying. I was like, I was like, look, look, the dude showed what he had to show, and then he got put up. He got put off the ball. He got drafted because of what he was doing against North Carolina in December. So now scouts know what's there, right? If you weren't paying attention, that's kind of your fault. If you're a if you're a scout picking at twenty five or twenty six, but at the same time, it's like, hey, look, he showed exactly what what parts of his game translate to which parts don't. Um, and that's why he was a first round pick and it did take him about a year and a half to get to this point. But, um, yeah. And I don't even know what his ceiling is anymore. I I don't know if we're looking at someone who's going to be an all-star in in two years, or are we looking at someone who is going to just be someone who's going to be a sixth man running the second unit on a finals contending team? I don't know where he fits, but this has been super fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we did this, Cart and I did an episode this morning. I'm literally exporting it to YouTube right now, but like the whole title of the episode is Jordan Poole is a top blank player in the NBA. And like, I, I have no idea. Like you could tell me he's a top 20 player in the league right now. I wouldn't say you're crazy. You could tell me he's top 50 and I'd be like, okay, like, yeah, probably like, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. I know he's out of his mind right now. I hope that continues in the playoffs, but the interesting thing to me is going to be like, he he's going to get a bag, which is awesome to see. Like whatever the talk was him getting like maybe 20 mil a year, like the price is going up every single game right now. But what happens to him after the Curry Draymond era ends? And I don't know how many years we have left in that. Obviously, this run's going to be awesome. But, like, is Jordan Poole as a number one option once Draymond's off this team totally different than it is right now? I don't know. Like, I'm fascinated to see because he kind of he's kind of done what I thought D'Angelo Russell was going to do when he got to Golden State. Like, I, I always believed D'Angelo Russell was this flashy scorer who could score 25 a game, also get you six, seven assists, and just be like a, a good fit in that system. And to be honest, I always thought D'Angelo Russell was a much more talented player than Jordan Poole. But for whatever reason, that didn't work out, at least not to the level it is with Jordan Poole. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what will happen like years down the line. But I know I'm going to enjoy every single second of this, at least for this playoff run. So Michigan fans should be happy. And I tweeted that out last night too. Uh, Poole and Duncan Robinson came off the bench on the same college team. That's fucking nuts. Like, I know they aren't the guys they are now, but 
for the narrative of that team that made the title run to be like, oh, they didn't deserve to be there. They were these plucky underdogs. They had some luck in the schedule. They did, but they also had Jordan Poole and Duncan Robinson off the bench. Like, don't tell me that team didn't have talent. So pretty crazy looking back on it. They had six of the 11 NBA players in that game. Yeah. Facts. And not including Charles Matthews. Like, that was a really good basketball game. Facts. And, like, Abdul Rahman. Like, he was a great college player at the yeah, time, too. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, facts. They had dudes. It was crazy. Yeah, they um, so, anyways, let's let's move on to what I assume most of the people are excited for for this conversation. Let's start with Terrence Shannon. Uh, and I'm interested in where we're going to go here because I, I know you've got your sources. You've got your ways of getting information. Uh, I like to think that I do, but I, I think they're different sources than yours. So we may hear conflicting things from time to time as far as Michigan basketball goes. Um, same with Michigan State. I feel like you, you and I might have some of the same sources on the Michigan State side. But as far as Michigan goes, what I've heard with Terrence Shannon as of today at 11.45 a.m. Eastern is that he prefers Michigan as his number one option. He's visiting Michigan this week. And if it all goes well with admissions, he hasn't silent committed, but that's his number one option. And I don't believe he has other visits lined up as of now. Uh, obviously, there was the report that came out over the weekend from a, I don't want to call it a no-name Twitter account because the, the account has some followers. But from the digging that I did on the account that tweeted, it's a quote-unquote done deal, that account has broken some incorrect news in the past. So I don't take that as like absolute fact, Terrence Shannon is done, he's coming to Michigan. Um, but it's a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke usually means there's fire. It can only be a good thing. Hunter Dickinson goes to Twitter and quote tweets that with uh, a little, I think it was a meme, kind of like picking up the eyebrows. Uh, that can only be, you know, referred to as a good development if you're a Michigan fan, especially with the rumors that Hunter Dickinson is back. Where are you at with Terrence Shannon and Michigan as of 11.47 a.m. Eastern today? Just – just to clarify, too, when Hunter tweeted that, I hit him up and I said, dude, you are a menace because you know where this is going. Like, I'm about to be attacked and spammed with this for the next, like, several hours. <laughs> I'm sorry. And sure enough, and sure enough, it was just after one after another, just like, hey, look at this. Ah, direct message. Is there, oh, my gosh. So, um, okay, so well, the whole thing with Terrence Shannon, um, you know, he's had different layers of of things that have been happening and going on. Um, it's not just him. You know, there are there are other factors as well, whether it's his whether it's his folks, um, whether it is, you know, the admissions deal, whether it's the NIL stuff, there's this is not just one of those like, hey, this guy's coming or hey, this guy is, you know, like it, this is not one of those like straight shooter things like like some something like like uh, Sky Clark, right? Sky Clark, he ends up, you know, 
you know, his recruitment was coming down. I get a confirm where he was going. Got another confirm where he was going. I hold a green room talking about it. The day before he commits, I get a phone call by um, he's very, very he's, he's like really in the end. I get a phone call from him at like 930 in the morning. He's like, yo, I'm about to have I'm about to have lunch with Clark's pops. Uh, he's committing tomorrow. I don't know when, but tomorrow. So then I tweet out five star point guards committing as soon as tomorrow morning. No, no. As soon as tomorrow. And of course, the next day he comes out. He's he's committing at like five thirty or six on some like like during some game, right? That's how I want all these to go, right? Super smooth. You get your confirms. Boom, it's a done deal. But no, um, with this, uh, I really think he he wants to go to Michigan. Um, uh, he's also been flirting with Illinois. Uh, and he's and there is a a nice NIL package for him waiting for him at Kentucky if he chooses to go there. Um, I believe his mom's his mom's really wants him to go to Michigan, and Terrence wants to go to Michigan too. Um, it's a big it's like it's an it's an admissions thing. So when it comes to admissions, people need to understand this. I explained this in my Discord the other day. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get back to it where I kind of like laid it out in full of like, like kind of how things work, uh, from an, from an admission standpoint. So this is what I wrote in discord yesterday to everybody. The big thing with admissions is not if the kid can get in or not, it's about credits transferring. So if they lose a bunch of credits and can't make them up in time, they lose graduation status, meaning they're ineligible. So when like Nojel Eastern lost 20 plus credits when he tried to transfer into Michigan, he wouldn't have had the time to make up those credits in time for the season. He would have been ineligible. So what's the point of transferring in if you can't hoop? So trying to get as many credits to transfer as possible is the big thing. And I'm sure there's a goal number of credits to hit. So if he can, so if he can take enough spring and summer courses to make up for the lost classes, then he can do that. So he needs to be on a certain trajectory by a certain time in order for him to be eligible for the upcoming season. So that's the whole admissions issue. It's not getting in, not getting in. It's which classes are going to transfer, and does he still hold that graduation trajectory to allow him to be eligible um, for the class that he's currently in? Um, that's the big thing with that. If admissions gets enough classes classes through, in my opinion, he's He's going to Michigan. So a couple of questions in the chat I'll get to in just a moment. And David Klein is in here as well. What's up, DK? We're going to get to the Julius Marble portion of this in a few moments. So great to have him in the room for that. Um, but so if it's just a credits issue, correct me if I'm wrong, but he could run into that at any school depending on the programs that school offers, right? Correct. Correct. So he did run into something like that at Illinois as well. Okay. So in that case, like, if the buzz is that he is preferring Michigan and we don't know how that's going to shake out at Michigan or Illinois, one would glean that that's a decent spot to be in for Michigan. Uh, and how much does, like, Jawan have pull? with any of this does he have any say in this whatsoever as far as admissions is concerned look 
if they're not giving Jim Harbaugh much pull with it, they're not giving Juwan that that much pull. Honestly, honestly, what I've heard is that they like it is it is a like they are praying every day, like <laughs> like like that is that is the pull, a prayer. That's the pull. So what are they waiting on? I guess though, like I would feel like there's not a huge like decision to be made if there's like an objectivity, like either he can qualify or he can't like, is this dragging out into like a multi-week type thing where they haven't informed him whether or not his credits will qualify. I'm confused on how it works. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure. So when like, so when, so when guys like, like Duncan Robinson and like Charles Matthews trans trans transferred in, they came in when they were younger. Not only when they were younger, they also sat out a year, right? So so then it then it could happen a lot better. Remember Shondi Brown? Like it took them a while for for like them to come out and officially get him, like like officially come out with the whole like hey he's joining us. Remember that he committed, but they wouldn't come out and say that he's like with the with the uh, team. It took weeks and until they can even say anything. Um, that could be something like this to where like, hey, hey, he he may even commit, but then like he he may have to do like a Xavier Worthy where like he has to he's not gonna be able to to uh come in and ends up decommitting and then ha- having to go to somewhere else, whether it's UNC, Kentucky or like Yukon or something like that. Yeah, it feels like it's only going to get messier from here, although as frustrating as that may be, like that's a fair concern. Uh, some people in the comments were questioning, is there even an open scholarship? And the answer to that would be right Right now there's not, but no, there likely will be, right? There, there, there will be. If a dude like that comes in, uh, someone's going to be ass out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Simply put, if Terrence Shannon's in, expect attrition. <laughs> and if not, uh, there are some backdoor ways around that, but I, I don't think they're going to need to even force yeah, anybody's hand with that. A jet yeah. to jet situation where, you, where you, oh, okay, like, you know, dude signed for nine figures. He's well, he's well set. So, being on scholarship for a few thousand dollars is nothing. Yeah. So don't think they'll run into a problem there, but it will be interesting. Like, especially with the timing of this, if this does drag out with Shannon, like I, I don't know that Terrence Shannon wanting to play at Michigan would necessarily impact Caleb Houston's decision to want to return to Michigan. That's a whole separate conversation, but that would help him. If anything, Someone else right. to like create and shoot the ball, like give him, like that's where Caleb Houston thrives. You put really good players around that dude, he becomes Shane Battier for real, for real. The more he has to do, the the less efficient he becomes. The less he has to do, now he's thriving completely. But is Shannon really a guy that's going to put the ball on the deck and like be your slasher? That's the thing. Like, if you play him at the two, 
you say Houston's at the three and say Diabate comes back too, he's at the four. Like who's the slasher in that lineup? You have Collins kind of stirring the drink for everybody. But I would say Terrence Shannon is more of a set shooter than he is really like a downhill menace, unless I'm mistaken. I didn't watch enough. Maybe, Greg, Greg, you have a, a better take on that. But I, I didn't ever think that Shannon was a guy to like break a dude down off the dribble. So who, who's the guy that's, I guess, doing that outside of Collins if, if that's the roster? It's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just curious to see where you where you guys see that. Yeah, so, like, so like he wasn't the biggest, like, hey, I'm about to one-up you and, like, hit you with these hezzies. Um, but he was one of the best players in the country when it came to um, catch, and, catch and ripping. So he was very good at that, at that catch and first step, whether he goes left or right. But in terms of, like, in terms of just, like, give him the ball and kind of let him just do his thing, no. No. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, at least he didn't show that at Texas Tech. Yeah, I think Ant pretty much nailed it. I view him as like a downhill bulldozer type, but within the flow of the action. Like, he's not a guy you give the ball, slowly isolate, and then say, just get out of his way, let him go to work. Uh, But he does, like – my thing with Shannon, way before he was even rumored to Michigan at all, like, I've loved Terrence Shannon. I thought last year when he quickly was in the portal and back to Texas Tech, like – I wanted Michigan and Michigan State to reach out to him. I think he's one of the top three or four names in the portal this year because I do feel like there's an untapped level to what he can do. Like he's played 25 minutes a game at Texas Tech basically all three seasons on some Izzo style rotation patterns where they don't play anybody 30 minutes a game. Uh, He shot 38% from three last year on a higher three point attempt rate than Eli Brooks had. Like, I, I don't think he's a dead-eye knockdown shooter, like off the move and off the dribble and all that, but like he can make threes off the bounce. He can get to the rim pretty much at will when he has a slight angle on his defender. So I am curious, like if he does come to Michigan, it feels like it's going to be like, here's 32 minutes at the two. Like you're, you're our guy at the two and you're our one B playmaker scorer. Is there a level that we haven't seen from Terrence Shannon yet? I think there probably is because I think he's shown flashes of doing everything well in a smaller role that if you give him more keys to the kingdom, I'm excited about what that could look like. And like Ant said, in the context of the Michigan roster, like if he's not capable of doing that and Hunter Dickinson's back, okay. He's just got to space the floor and catch and shoot and attack closeouts. If he is capable – now you've got two guys who are pretty high usage guys that allows Caleb Houston to be way more comfortable taking a step back. Frankie Collins, who knows how good he's going to be, but you know, he at least passed the show up for the big moment test of playing 30 minutes without Devonte Jones in a big game. And he didn't look scared. So we'll, we'll see how it all meshes together, but like I'd feel a lot better about Michigan's backcourt with Shannon than I would without Shannon right now, if it's Kobe Bufkin and Frankie Collins. I mean, I think that's 100% fair. The team would 100% be better. I guess just over the last few years with the grouping that that Howard has, the one thing that I would say is they've been lacking a guy that can score at all three levels and break somebody down off the dribble. And while Shannon will certainly give you some of the shooting boost, if he's playing at the two – Again, they kind of run into an issue where, yeah, it doesn't matter so much in the Big Ten. Like, if you're just taking outside it, the goal is to make a Final Four, to make a national championship. 
Uh, he's definitely a piece that would be great to add with it. I just don't know where that additional shot creation is coming out. And I think that the way that Collins is going to be guarded next year is going to look completely differently as well. You know, have playing spot minutes and parts and then coming in when he's not really on the scouting report, maybe a little bit for that game. I agree with you that I think he's an exciting player. He can get downhill. He's super athletic. What does that look like when he's the first guy on the scouting report for the point guard and they're just going to play five feet off him and say, go ahead and shoot those threes. We're going to give them to you. I just think the paint could get a little bit clogged there and you might need somebody else to be able to help create a little bit. And I'm just, I'm curious where it comes from the roster. Again, this is, this is being nitpicky because I think if they added Shannon, they bring basically everybody back. Uh, even if Houston was to leave, let's say, um, and you, you bring everybody back. I still think that's a top 15 roster for sure. Maybe even top 10. It's just a matter of like, okay, now you're deep into the tournament you need somebody to break somebody down off the dribble and get you a bucket. Where's that going to come from? And that's the one thing I think if you've looked at some of the way that the rosters have been created for Michigan since Howard has taken it, that they really haven't 100% had that guy. And I, I'm I'm curious to see, you know, w- what happens with that, I guess, down the pipeline. You know who they need? Go ahead. Who do you think? Jordan Poole. <laughs> Well, maybe, I mean, maybe Jet Howard gives you some of that. He had, he had a nice showing at the Jordan brand classic. You know, he's in a, he's a six, seven guy in a big package that can, that can create some of his own shot. I don't know how much it is off the dribble more than like a one, two pull up. Again, I haven't watched him religiously, so I, I can't speak to that, but it seems to me like he potentially has some of that one and done or two and done potential where you throw him into the mix and maybe he ends up being a guy you can lean on to kind of create a bucket for himself too. So I don't know. Yeah, I think because uh, I I believe Jet won the King of the Hill at the Jordan Brand Classic. Uh, I think that's a big deal. If you guys don't know what King of the Hill is, it's like a one-on-one game. You get three dribbles to pretty much score a bucket. Um, tough one-on-one game. Um, I like Jet a lot. I think we're we're going to see a sophomore leap from someone. And I don't know who it is, but it needs to be Frankie in my opinion, is especially if they're not going to go get um, a grad transfer guard, which I'm happy that 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 they didn't. Um, I know people were talking about Sam Sessoms, but that was never going to happen, ever, ever. I mean, he had, he had he, like, oh, my goodness. He had, oh, there is some Sessoms drama. So, so Sessoms, Sessoms, uh, he transferred in from Binghamton to Penn State. A lot of credit, a lot of credits didn't transfer. Then he didn't graduate from Penn State, and then he wanted to leave Penn State and go somewhere else, and say that Shrewsbury pushed him out. Shrewsbury would never sign off on that, so he had to go somewhere where credits would transfer, so he was on track to graduate this upcoming year. So that's why he chose Coppin State. I'm not sure why he put Michigan and all these other schools up there. Um, that was all for 100% clout. Um, but uh, I'm really glad that they 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 that they haven't really gone after um, a point guard, and they're going to trust Frankie and um, and Doug coming in next year. Which I think he eventually had to do, right? If you keep bringing in transfer point guards over the high four-star guys that are going to recruiting, why would guys continue to come to Michigan? Like at a certain point, you're going to have to develop your own point guard. 
and kind of live with it. I mean, I think we we can agree, Greg, me and you, that ideally your point guard can consistently knock down threes, preferably off the dribble. I think that the best version of a point guard can do that. But there's certainly benefits, and we're going to see now kind of as A.J. Hogard comes into his own, and he did that a little bit last year, like why couldn't Collins have – you know, he's going to have probably a bigger role and a bigger opportunity even than what A.J. got in terms of minute allotment. Why couldn't he have somewhat of a role like A.J. Hogard where maybe, yeah, there's some bumps along the way in the first part of the season, but maybe midway through the end of it, you see a guy who kind of comes into his own. And if you can get downhill and score in the paint consistently, the ability to put that much pressure on the, the middle of defenses is going to open up all the shooting that you guys are talking about that they can potentially surround him with. So, if he can consistently even develop like a little floater or he doesn't have to get a hundred percent all the way to the rim. And the same thing with AJ Hogard. I just think that the ability for those guys, even if they, they hit that elbow jumper at like 40%, a shot like that or a floater in the middle of the lane will completely open up uh, the way that they have to be guarded. So I, I'm curious to see kind of the steps that both of those guys take. Cause I think that there's a little bit similar patterns obviously AJ's not quite as athletic but he's maybe a little bit stronger he plays a little bit more of that bully ball but I see the same type of thing where Frankie can get wherever he wants to in the paint Um, he's just got to consistently score and he's got to develop a little something else to be able to not have to get all the way there and have to score through the trees so I think the development arc for both those guys is going to be fascinating to watch over over the next couple years yeah I'm going to sound crazy but the comparison I've made for Frankie Collins since high school has been, I think his best case scenario upside is like a Darius Morris level player. And I see some of that. Like he's had some crazy flashy vision passes in the little time that he's played a, a reasonable role on the floor for Michigan this year. Uh, and Darius never really did develop a shot, but it didn't matter because he was so dynamic on the ball. The thing to me is like, One, selfishly as a fan, just recruit guards that can shoot, man. How many years straight of this is – like? and Michigan's had good teams. Don't get me wrong. Like Juwan Howard's built winning teams around point guards that can't shoot off the dribble or a full backcourt that can't shoot off the dribble. Like, God bless Eli Brooks and his little floater game, but, like, that man could not go hunt his own shot off the dribble. And, look, they've won games in March. That's been fine going all the way back to the Xavier Simpson era, but like, just, just get a point guard who can shoot. It's so much easier. Look at what Carolina did in the tournament. Like you don't even need to be a good team. You just need some guards to get hot and bail you out when it matters. If you have guys that can do that. And that's my fears. Like, I, I don't know that Doug's that guy. I don't know that Frankie's ever, I know Frankie's never going to be that guy. So uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. But the other thing is like Frankie, Frankie doesn't really make sense next to Hunter. Right. Like Hunter, if you want to build the best possible team centered around Hunter Dickinson, you just need four dudes who can shoot around him. And they're not going to have one at the point next year who can shoot around him. And that's why I think almost to a certain degree, wouldn't you maybe prefer Diabate to go into the draft? I, like, I think his potential is tremendous, but he's going to command how many minutes at the power forward spot. And really the fit between Diabate and Dickinson didn't 100% work either defensively or offensively uh, last year. And while I think both, you know, I think Diabate can take a step and, and be a little bit better. Maybe he can hit a mid-ranger here and there. I, I don't think ideally he's ever going to be a guy in college, at least, that's going to stretch it all the way to three. And so you're clogging some of what Dickinson does. So I'm very curious to see kind of the decisions between Houston, Diabate, and Dickinson because uh, ideally – 
you know, for me, maybe Houston is even better slated as a four than he is as a three, where you're just asking him to kind of get open shots or do pick and pop where he's getting looks either at the extended elbow or in the corners. So I'm curious to see, like, with that decision, if you have to play Diabate next to Dickinson for 25 minutes per game, like, is that the ideal lineup for Michigan? I would maybe argue no. Like, to me, Diabate is maybe better as a as a center than he is ideally as as a power forward. He's kind of playing out of position there. So what's your thoughts on that? If all the guys come back, are you worried a little bit about just the way that's going to look on both sides of the ball if you have Diabate and Dickinson next to each other for long stretches? I mean, like, they'll be able to win some games, but, like, that's that's a lineup built for the – for like the mid nineties. Um, right. In the, in the conference again, in the big 10, you can get away with playing that and probably you can beat some teams up on the boards a little bit. Um, but I like long-term when you're looking at the tournament, how many teams were built like that towards the end of this season? Not very many. None, none. The NCAA tournament is a backcourt tournament. You're going to go as far as your backcourt takes you. Um, and that's why like we saw, you know, incredible performances by, you know, both Eli and Frankie um, in the NCAA tournament, right, to, like, get them through Tennessee, to get them through um, uh, Colorado State. And that's without Devontae Jones, who was playing his best basketball and was hurt. And a backcourt still stepped up and pretty much willed that team. And Hunter was ridiculous. He he did a great job, but it was really the backcourt – that really set the tone um, against those against those two teams. And, and at the four, I would I would love to see Musa go to the league. Um, having T. Will there, uh, Caleb at the four, um, man, having Will Cheddar at the four. Uh, Will Cheddar, like that dude, could be the best shooter on the team next year, dog. Like that dude is like. That dude can shoot. That dude can shoot the damn basketball, and he can post up too. So, um, super ver- super versatile versatile player. I can't wait to see what he does. But um, in terms of guys to put at the four, especially around Hunter, it's it's those three. Um, I think at times you could go with Terrace. Uh, at times, at times, um, you could go with Terrace at the four, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but if you have Caleb come back and Hunter come back, um, you know, you're going to see a much more perimeter-oriented uh, team, which is what Hunter needs. And I think that's what someone like Frankie needs as well and Doug needs to have more spacing to be able to, like, navigate. Yeah, 100%. It'll be interesting how, uh, you know, this evolves because this could be a lot of the same dudes from the team last year that, you know, ultimately, I don't know if you call it a, a disappointing season. You probably do. You call the regular season disappointing, but anytime you, you round it out into a Sweet 16 appearance, I don't know that I'd, I definitely don't call that a disappointment. But, uh, it like, they've got to be better, right? If, if Dickens is back and Diabate is back and you lose Devontae Jones, uh, no matter who's on the wing, like, you've got to find a way to win more games. Uh, I think they will, but... The Big Ten is going to be worse, much worse yeah. next year. So I think winning more games in conference is for sure there. I, I That goes without saying, I think. Yeah, I Since think you're right. Hey, how do you guys feel about Dawson Garcia at Minnesota? Him and Battle are going to be a bunch of fun together, aren't they? Ooh. 
that's that's gonna be that that's gonna be real interesting with like I, Stevens and um uh Lowy coming back too. And they got a couple decent for hey, hey, watch out for the gophers, dog. Watch out for the gophers. Dog. I think they're they're not gonna be quite the bottom barrel team. I think they'll they'll maybe get out of the basement at least. And yeah, I, I love the commit video from Ben Johnson too. Did you see that? I did he not know. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. He used uh, the training day video with Denzel Washington where he's like blowing smoke and then the smoke came up and it was like the Minnesota symbol or whatever. It was pretty cool. It was like his, <laughs> it's his bat signal or whatever. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I think I'm kind of out on Dawson Garcia at this point, but I am excited to see him in a new spot. I was uh, I was texting Riley Davis, one of my guys who is a North Carolina fan, and he was like, enjoy watching Tyler Wall, who demands 35% usage in the Big Ten. And I was like, oh, man, that's that seems a little disrespectful. But How many we'll games see. did he play for UNC this year? Didn't he play, like, just a handful? And then he, he had some, like, a family illness he was dealing with, and he, he ended up leaving the team, right? Like, how many games did he play? I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like it was the non-conference mostly. But we'll see. It's a good ad for Minnesota, for sure. If you're Minnesota, you take that 100%. But I, uh, I'll i be curious if he becomes like an all, even like third team, Big Ten guy or not. He should be talent-wise, but uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move to the, the Julius Marble stuff because we got like 15-ish minutes left. Uh, love you for popping up in here, DK. Thank you for doing that. Uh, essentially, rumors emerged yesterday that Julius Marble is on his way out of the Michigan State program. DK, I'm just going to hand you the mic to to give the inside spiel on this. Yeah, sure. Um, so somebody DM'd me early yesterday, and I had reached out to a couple of people that are closer than I am to some, some of the sourcing. I feel relatively confident. I, I got back the information that it seems it's inevitable. I think that on paper – it comes a little bit as a shock because he's a program type kid. My understanding is that there's no, you know, there's no divide between him and the coaching staff that he's not leaving because of like lack of PT. Right. Like I think we all agree he probably was in line to start and he was going to play 20 to 25 minutes per game. Um, I, I think that that would have been very worrisome for me personally, if that's your starting center and that's who they were going to roll with. I thought that they needed to add somebody regardless. Um, and I, from what I heard, it didn't sound like that was very likely. I would assume that this changes the equation. I don't think that this is something that, for me personally, I believe that the staff like knew until you know recently. I don't think that this is something where like there was some decision pending to have somebody that, that's in their sights and Marble is disgruntled and wants to leave. I don't get the impression that it's that. So I, I don't want to speculate. Obviously, his father passed about a year ago. I had heard that he was very con- seriously considered uh, leaving and, and coming back home after last season. Maybe just the distance has kind of weighed on him, and he wants to be close to the family. I, I really am not 100% certain like what the reasoning behind the potential decision is. Um, but from the people that I spoke to, it seems as if uh, it, it's very likely that he ends up entering the transfer portal and leaving. So I don't know if he has – a place in mind. He's from Texas, so maybe he goes to TCU or uh, one of those programs. Obviously, they gave us one of the better games that we've seen in uh, the tournament this past year with the Arizona game. Like, play tough and physical. It could be a very good spot for him. So, if he does end up leaving, obviously, we wish him all the well. Uh, what does it mean for Michigan State? I- I've been very, very vocal 
about how they needed to add a center regardless of situation. If you just look back at kind of who they played towards the end stretch and the buckets that they were given from various centers over the course of the season, it's it's borderline embarrassing. The two field goal defense was, I think, top 10 in 2019 and a 20. And the last two years, it's been in the hundreds. They, they've gotten 10 times worse at protecting the paint. I think it's a direct result of the way that the center position has gone after Xavier Tillman left. Obviously, you know, 2021 was just a nightmare. You started the season with Kithier and you just had a roulette of four guys, nobody who could play set minutes. I think Bingham flashed in some degrees what we could possibly have in him, but now he's left. And so the best center that you didn't really play enough last season has left and, and you anticipated rolling to the season with, you know, a backup level center, right? The, the, there's not like a, a knock on Julius Marble. I think that he's a solid backup guy that you want for 15 minutes per game is pretty f- efficient offensively. Defensively, he was a liability both on the glass in the pick and roll and really in space on the perimeter. So it was a situation where I thought Michigan State needed to get somebody. And now if he does end up leaving, which apparently seems likely, it seems to me like this is almost going to force their hand into doing something that they weren't necessarily going to do. So while I think it's a loss and it's a little scary to be on the ledge with Matty Sissoko and Jackson Kohler as the two guys that are now at the center spot, I think to a certain degree, this should create some urgency. And we really haven't seen that from Michigan State in the portal. And I think that if if you're hitting some of the panic button, which I have, um, what they end up doing in the portal is going to determine how this season looks. And after you have had back-to-back seasons, which have been vastly disappointing and subpar and Michigan State standards, the fact that they haven't come out and like hire an assistant yet, it's been two weeks since Dwayne Stevens left. Like, are, are we going to get on that? We all know that there's going to be probably a familiar hire. It seems to me like they wouldn't go too far outside the family on that one. So there's probably a list of what, maybe three to four candidates you're telling me that they haven't been vetted yet and you haven't grabbed anyone. If that's the holdup to maybe entering some of the portal talk, that to me again is not acceptable and disappointing. They probably need a wing. I mean, we're not talking about Max Christie here, but it seems likely that he is going to enter the NBA draft. There's really not a wing on the roster unless you're considering Pierre Brooks that, and he, he just didn't get enough run to really know what he potentially could be. I would feel zero comfort about that. They're in on Jalen Bridges. I have heard that he's potentially taking a visit at the end of this month that hasn't been confirmed yet, but that is the rumors. So that makes you feel a little bit better. But if they somehow miss on Jalen Bridges and he goes to Bama or Baylor OSU, where does that leave Michigan State's roster? And I'm beginning to get increasingly worried. I know guys are continuing to enter the portal. There was a couple guys yesterday, unfortunately, in the guard department instead of the wing or the center, but um, Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, that guy from what was BYU, I think, who like led the nation in assists last year. So guys are going to continue to enter the portal into May 1st, which is the deadline to enter your name before um, to, to receive the immediate eligibility. So I, I think we continue to see it. But I would say the next two weeks are as, as pivotal for Michigan State's program and the general outlook of where this is going as maybe any point in Izzo's career. And, and I don't want to overstate that, but I think that the, the alarm level about the way that this is handled in the offseason, it has not gone very well if you're a Michigan State fan. And uh, I think that 
Julius Marble leaving is definitely a loss, but if it forces the staff to adapt and change and to reach out to some guys and, and address some of the defensive need at the center position, a part of me is like almost relieved because it would be malpractice at this point not to fill another center spot and to get a wing. Like I, I don't know what they're doing and I don't know. It's It's been baffling to me. The way that this offseason has gone after the last two seasons, It's it's been pretty alarming, I guess. DK, I I kind of want to like 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 there's there's this is a lose lose for Izzo, right? Because if if he digs in the portal early and then guys start to leave, he's a he's a jerk for not trusting his guys, right? Now he he trusts his guys that they're they're going to stay. Then now we're talking mid late April that someone who's going to probably command. 20, 25 minutes in a spot that he covets. He's going to leave the program. Now it's an L for him because he waited too long, right? So, like, what's, what's, what is the middle ground? Okay, I'll say this in retort. We just had back-to-back seasons where you just got absolutely destroyed in the paint consistently. Like, Joey Brunk gave us 18-6. and six. Ryan Young gave you 18-8 and eight from Northwestern. Uh, like just up and down the roster, the last like true centers that they saw buckets after buckets, Hunter Dickinson was wagging his dick in Izzo's face and nobody was there to check the dude. He's, he scored a career high 33 points. At what point if you're Izzo, are you just sick of watching like Michigan state basketball, which was predicated on hitting the glass and playing good defense, just get absolutely fucking destroyed in the paint. So for me, if you're looking at the best rim protector left, and yes, you love Julius Marble, but guess what? He's six eight. He's two hundred and twenty pounds. He can't guard Hunter Dickinson. He can't guard Kofi Coburn. That's not a knock on him. He's just a power forward size guy. He doesn't have long enough arms. He doesn't have his high enough basketball IQ to play in the pick and roll. He's just not laterally, athletically, or long enough to play the position that you need for the center spot. So for me, it's yes, I get what you're saying. He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But how can you watch the last two seasons and think to yourself, oh, well, I'm just going to roll the dice and hope Matty Sissoko, who played less minutes as a sophomore than he did as a freshman, is somehow going to be like a 15-minute-per-night guy that we can need. And if you're going to roll Jackson Kohler, like just make a commitment to giving up points in the paint, then play your best offensive lineup. Play Joey Hauser at stretches for the five. Play Jackson Kohler, who can pick and pop and score in the post at the five. If you're abandoning defense at the position – then go all in. Don't go halfway. And so uh, there's got to be a decision on where the program is headed. And, and I think that that's the biggest alarm for me, that it's just like he just watched two seasons in a row where he got beat the shit in the paint. And the thought that he wasn't going to add somebody and now he's going to be forced to if Marble ends up leaving, like that's the most disappointing thing, that, that it's going to require somebody leaving for change to come, not the fact that the last two seasons led to this. And that to me is maybe where some of the stubbornness and the I know better and I just the transfer portal is the devil type stuff. To me, that's where I'm beginning to a little bit worried about the way that the end of this is going for him. So we'll see what happens. But if Marble leaves and they like didn't get somebody, like they have to now at this point, right? Like I, I don't even know what they would do at the center spot. You're just gonna you're gonna throw Maddie and Jackson to the wolves and see what they become. You're just you're taking another burn on the center spot when you have like a veteran backcourt. You have Jaden Aikens coming up on the wing as well. Like I, I don't know. I, I I'm 
I see what you're saying, but I think I think I'm the other way where he he needed to attack it, and now he has really no choice in my opinion. I feel you. Um, is Bingham for sure gone? Yes. I mean, he he said that he's leaving. He's going to check out the NBA protocol. Um, during the course of just the last few seasons, I've chatted with his dad off and on, and I just reached back out and just said. You know, how's the process going? Is there any ever consideration for coming back a year? And what I got back, if, if you know, the family is helping make part of the decision, I, I don't expect that he would return. I, I would be – I was highly surprised um, if he was to return or say that he left that option open. He never really left that availability. I just think he's a guy that's kind of done with the college process. I, I think he's set to get his degree uh, during the next couple months. And I think that that will probably be the end of his college career, if I had to guess. Um, but if if he decided to transfer, he went somewhere else. I would I wouldn't take any blame with the way that his kind of minutes have been handled. It's a two way street. Greg and I have like talked at nauseum about this, but ultimately, um, I, I would be highly surprised if he returned to Michigan State. I'd love to have him back. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't. I don't think I see it. Yes, yeah, so I DK. I want to play tiny devil's advocate as you know i like to do with you here but like i i think anyone in their right mind that's watching this no matter who you're a fan of or what level of knowledge of basketball you have any one in their right mind would say he has to get a center but tom Izzo has not always done what the consensus has said he needs to do especially in the last two plus seasons i don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to recruit a center I, I think he obviously should, but like what percentage confidence would you say that Tom Izzo's actually going to shift from we don't need a center and we want to keep Julius Marble happy to okay, now we need a center? Yeah, I would say that it's closer from from basically what I heard leading up to this before this news kind of started breaking. Uh, I was under the impression there's like 10% or less. Like if like TJD hit the portal and as part of the NBA process decision, he also wanted to explore the the ability to go to another school. I think that he is a guy that with the prior relationship that Izzo has with his family, that they would have pursued something like that. Like someone, one of the peak guys, prior relationship, prior recruitment, still like, you know, to some degree I've heard that there's consideration on that, that maybe they, they made a misstep by not coming to Michigan state in the first place. Yes, if something like that happened, I think they'd done. So say that's a five or ten percent chance that he enters the portal. I think that would have been my percentage chance in like maybe a couple days ago. Now I have to believe it's a lot closer to fifty-fifty. Like how could you evaluate the roster? Say Max leaves, Marble leaves, Hauser comes back. I believe that would leave. I think that leaves four scholarships open. So they can enter the season with nine scholarship players. Like say Jalen Bridges lands somewhere else. Like, are they going to enter the season with nine scholarship players? Like he had 11 last year. I think 11 is the ideal number for where the program is going to fill it. Now they're never going to fill 13 again. I really just don't see it for whatever reason, unless it's the high school kids. I don't think that he fills it through the portal again with 13 guys because the way that it is, you've seen kind of somewhat what happened with Illinois where they've had some people come in. And they've had some people depart and a guy like uh, Brandon Pudzbiski or whatever, like a guy that ideally would have sat for a couple years. And then as an upperclassman, he's kind of groomed, he's ready to go. 
there's some opening that comes, but he just didn't want to wait around. And some of these kids are not going to wait around as you kind of get more pieces to the puzzle in and they have to wait their turn. So I think that there's some fear on his part that that keeping the, the, the contentment of his players. So I just don't see how they could enter the season with nine scholarships. If he did that, I would be crying that it's the end of the times and I would be ringing the bell. Like there's just no excuse for it. 11 is one thing coming into the season with nine guys He's got to get somebody on the wing. He's got to get a center. Like I just don't see any other way. So maybe I'm just living the delusion of reality and saying like, how could you possibly not get a guy? But I think, I think it's a 50, 50 shot at this point, maybe even greater 60, 40 that he tries to pursue somebody in the port. It's got to happen. I just don't see how you could enter the season with Jackson Kohler, and Matty Sissoko as the two centers. Eric Bossy from, uh, 24-7 Sports just confirmed Julius Marbles now in the portal. Did he, did he just put that out? Three minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I do feel that this is very much a potential breaking point between – Michigan State fans and Tom Izzo, as crazy as that sounds. Like, if he just straight up does not go attempt to get a center, I don't know how people are going to react. I know how people are going to react to that. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be negative. Uh, But I do – I'm with you, DK. Like, I think it's a coin toss if he's actually going to go do it. The other thing at play here, which I've texted you on the side a little bit, is, like, there's not – a ton of great options at center in the portal. The portal has a bunch of guards that are playable that you could go get right now. If you need a guard, there's only a few centers that I think, I mean, there's a lot of centers I think are better than Mati Sissoko, but there's only a few centers that are going to be high quality, big 10 centers. And uh, they're playing from behind because Manny Bates is one of them. And he's been in the portal for a month now. Yeah. Who knows? He just took a visit to Butler. And that's what I tweeted that out when I saw that. If he's taking a fucking visit to Butler, he will take a visit to Michigan State. That's all I'm going to say about that. After Butler's season, I know Thad Mata's trying to turn that around, all the rest of it. But if he's considering going to play in the Big East and for that, he's definitely a guy that, in my opinion, would take a hard look at Michigan State's situation say, I could come in and play 25 minutes. And I think they even have an option because of the shoulder surgery last year. Obviously, the medical would need to check him out and make sure he's going to withstand some of it. But I, I think that he's a guy that you could kind of ease into a little bit and say, we want to just make sure your shoulder's right before it. So uh, he's number one on my board for guys that are left currently. And I'm with you that the the number of centers that you really want to take are dwindling. Um, and there wasn't very many to begin with. But even like, call me crazy, but even a guy like Ryan Young, who's 6'10", 250, get him in a little bit better shape. Like to me, that's, that's roughly equivalent. If you look at the stats and the numbers, they played pretty similar and he scored a little bit better and he rebounded a little bit better than Julius Marble did last year. So like, even if you went and you got a guy that like, yeah, I'm not going to fall in love with him, but he's a guy that can give you a 15, 18, 20 minutes at the spot. And then you kind of patch it together with Kohler and Sissoko at the back end. And maybe Sissoko takes a step. Like they just need at this point, at least a body, right? They got to have a body. KT in the comments. Let's get Ryan Young to MSU, please. <laughs> oh man, uh, he'd be good. He would actually be good for Michigan State. I he's think not anybody ideal. Would. Don't get me wrong. He's not ideal, 
But for Michigan State fans, and I said this to a couple of my buddies, they're like, Ryan Young, Ryan Young fucking sucks. Ryan Young dropped 18-8 and eight at our crib with no Pete Nance. So I don't want to hear that he fucking sucks. Our, our center has been de- defensively defunctional for the better part of two years. So I don't want to hear about Ryan Young sucking when he's coming into our building and dropping 18-8. and eight. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, I'll just throw this out there. Drew Valentine just landed his fourth portal commitment last night. Just you already out there. know my thoughts on that. You already know my thoughts. <laughs> I know. It just the, the tension's going to keep building. Is all I'm saying. Especially if uh, if the seventh place Big Ten finishes keep stacking up too. It's uh, it's only going to get louder. And if Mel Tucker keeps doing his thing too, like you know, you're going to see the path for success. And it's not happening at the place that it normally has happened. Uh, it could get very interesting because I don't think Izzo's ever going to mark D'Antonio himself out of there. I think he's too stubborn, <laughs> but I we'll see. It'll, it'll be fun. I thought I thought DK was was like trolling about only nine scholarship players, and I just no. down all the guys. <laughs> I'm like, there's no trolling. It's sadly true. Like, there's nine, bro. So yeah. Yeah. that's considering Hauser comes back, Max leaves. Yeah, which yeah. is the rumors that that's what's going to happen. But they're literally at nine. So there's no fucking urgency. There's been zero fucking urgency in the portal. It's terrifying. We have Holloman, Walker, Hogard, Aikens in the backcourt. Brooks Brooks and Hall on the wings. Hall and Hauser splitting the four. Then you have Jackson Kohler and Matty Sissoko. It's not a good lineup. I mean, it's, there's the backcourt for me is the the thing that excites me the most about the potential of the roster. If you somehow landed a kid like Jalen Bridges, can play the three or the four. Um, I think I think has more defensive upside than he's shown for the couple of years. A good, not great three point shooter, but a guy that I think can be kind of a versatile, switchable guy that you can plug in. I'd argue probably one of the top five wings that's in the portal right now, along with Shannon and some of the other guys. Um, you add him, and I think that you've patched a huge hole and you've made some continuity between the one and two position because he can do some stuff for you. He's six seven. He's reasonably athletic. He likes to get out and run on the break, which Michigan State will just be able to feed him. So I think that if you landed him, I would feel loads better. Um, but you got to still get another body at the center spot. And that's a lot of eggs in the Jalen Bridges basket when you literally haven't pursued anybody else, at least you know vocally. It's not been out there. There's been no news of it. So you're going to fill one spot right now, hopefully two at the center. I mean, it's. I, I would say my panic is like somewhere between a six and a half and a seven. And if we proceed two weeks and we're not linked with at least another center, or the Jalen Bridges visit doesn't go well, or he commits elsewhere, I mean, I will be pretty much at full blown panic. I would say. <laughs> yeah, ring the alarms, TK, and we'll be here to talk you through it. Ant and I are always here for you if you need a shoulder to cry on. We've got a couple of them. Uh, all right. Thank you guys for doing this. Appreciate you. I did record this, so I'm going to throw this somewhere. I don't know what podcast feed I'm going to throw it on. Might make a new one, honestly, for these little morning episodes I've been doing. Uh, but if you caught just part of this and want to listen to the full thing, I'll tweet it out at some point, hopefully tonight. Uh, and you can go back and listen to everything. Appreciate y'all. We'll do this again. I'm sure, especially if we get some commitment news coming in. And for the record, Chris Solari just said that Marble's not in the portal quote at this moment so i think that still means he, he will be in the portal <laughs> yeah I just, I just went to ver- verbal commits and they put them on their 
on their uh, list as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to trust Grubel commits. Chris, Chris Solarian, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's the guy no, you no, want to no, trust no. that there is no, in the he's portal. He's trusting Rainier Sabin. You said per Rainier Sabin, so I just oh. stopped reading. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the guy that always shits on Michigan football, like at any opportunity. He can. Any opportunity, bro. Like Michigan, Michigan gets to the CFP. How is this gonna? How is this Harbaugh's last straw? <laughs> All right, boys, I got a dip, but thanks so much for letting me come up and chat my ear off. It was a nice therapy session for me. I know I ranted a little bit, but thank you for that. Appreciate. No, it. you're good. Thank you, man. I'm going to end the room. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace.